Peter chapter 2, verse 21 and following. For you've been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. So what are you supposed to do about that person, about those people who've been mean to you, who've been cruel, who've hurt you deeper than perhaps anyone even knows? Quickly, for the remainder of our time, I ask you to jot down some notes here. Let's look at five practical things that I believe we can take away from this real-life episode of what happened to our Lord Jesus. And I pray, I've been praying all week, that God would use these to literally bring about transformation because I believe that how we respond, how, listen, how we respond to those who've been cruel to us is one of the greatest signs of our spiritual maturity. You can really tell a lot about where a person is by how they respond to people who've not been gracious to them. So let's jump in. Lesson number one. I'm in that section where it says basic life lessons from Jesus. Here we go. Number one, when you're the victim of cruelty, escape it if possible and appropriate. Now let me explain quickly what I mean by that. Three years before the crucifixion, Jesus had been in his hometown of Nazareth and had taught in the synagogue. And Luke chapter 4 tells the story. It says that they, want, they were so angry. They wanted to take him out and throw him headlong over a cliff and kill him. But Jesus didn't allow that unnecessary brutality. The scripture says his time had not come. He slipped right through their midst. He got out of there. In the garden, Jesus prayed, Lord, if it's, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. But you see, the cross was unavoidable if the mission was going to be carried out. Sometimes you can't avoid cruelty, but it's wisest to avoid it if you can. You remember the wise men who came to Bethlehem looking for the baby Jesus, and they found out about Herod's plan to kill him, and the Bible says that they went home another way. They escaped. They didn't want any part of that cruelty. Remember what Joseph and Mary did as well? When they had been warned in a dream that Herod was trying to kill the baby, they obviously wanted no part of that. They got out of there. They escaped the cruelty. And that's what we should do if it's appropriate, if it's possible. Sometimes cruelty can be avoided, but it may mean something pretty dramatic. You may need to get another job. You may need to transfer to another school. You may need to go to work by a different route. If there's abuse going on, spouse abuse, 
I would urge you to get yourself out of harm's way. Still with a heart for reconciliation, still with a prayer and a hope and a heart for transformation in your relationship, in your spouse. But get yourself out of harm's way. Don't allow yourself to be a punching bag. Escape the cruelty. That's a godly thing. That's a wise thing. That, that's the right thing to do. When Paul was being hunted down by the authorities in the city of Damascus, Paul had gone through a lot of abuse for Christ, <laughs> but it always had a purpose. And in this particular case, he couldn't see the point of it. He allowed himself to be lowered in a basket from a window in the wall, and he slipped through the authorities' hands. That was a wise thing to do. So there's your first lesson. Simple, kind of a no-brainer, I realize. But if you're the victim, escape it if possible and appropriate. Lesson number two. When you're the victim of cruelty, do not retaliate. Do not retaliate. The Bible says don't return evil for evil or insult for insult. The passage we just read from 1 Peter 2 says that's what Jesus did. He did not return evil for evil or insult for insult. The Bible says instead of that, we're supposed to give a blessing instead. Jesus said if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Don't resist an evil person. Now, I believe that is greatly misunderstood by some i personally believe that that teaching of jesus applies only to interpersonal relational stuff where as an adult as an adult where you have the power to strike back if you chose you deliberately choose the high road and you choose not to take vengeance in your own hands I believe that's the application of that. I don't think Jesus was talking about nations, national security, let yourself get run over as a nation. I don't think he's talking about, you know, states or, you know, national defense or anything related to that. Nor do I think he's making any statement about a justice system. So to follow Jesus' principle doesn't mean that you can't call the authorities. It doesn't mean that you should never take out a warrant on someone. It doesn't mean that you should not let the justice system run its course and do what's appropriate. It does not mean that you should never bring a lawsuit against someone because sometimes that's the only way you can protect the innocent. I hope you're hearing all this. It does not mean you should not hit the intruder over the head with a baseball bat. Hope you're hearing all this. All right? I believe that's horribly misunderstood. In fact, Proverbs 24, verse 25 says, but it will go well with those who convict the guilty and rich blessing will come upon them. Who? Those who convict the guilty. There needs to be appropriate justice. If someone has abused children, for instance, they should be forgiven. But they should never, ever be put in charge of children again. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. 
The authorities should be called. There should be appropriate justice brought to bear. But there should be absolute and complete forgiveness. Don't take vengeance into your own hands. Principle number three. When you're the victim of cruelty, pray for those who are mean to you. Now, I'm struck by the first thing that Jesus did on the cross is he prayed for his tormentors even as they were still abusing him. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And Jesus had taught, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. Wow, what a teaching. Now, I believe that when we pray for those who are not kind to us, I believe we unleash powerful, powerful currents from the Holy Spirit to work in their lives and work in our life. The person who is cruel to you today, I've seen this happen, may be so changed by the power of God's Spirit that they actually become your greatest supporter tomorrow in the future. I've seen that kind of transformation occur. But prayer for your enemies can also transform your own attitude. I've had seasons in my life, folks, since I live in the same world you live in, a world of hurt, a world of pain. I've had seasons in my life where I've had people so betray me, so hurt me, I prayed a prayer like this. I hope you can handle the reality of this. I would literally get down beside my bed and say, God, I don't want to forgive them. I don't want you to bless them. You know that's the way I feel. But I choose, I choose to ask you to transform my stinking attitude. I choose to be like Jesus where it says while being reviled, he did not revile in return. They're reviling me. They're dissing me. They're hating my guts. Lord, you know that. But I want to be like Jesus. I'm not there. I want to get there. Lord, would you bless them? Lord, would you transform them? Would you... Continue to make them into what you want them to be. And would you keep reminding me that I'm on the journey too? That's what I really want. Would you do that, Lord? The way I feel is I'd like for them to drive off the road and have a horrible accident. That's what I really want in my feelings. But in my true heart of hearts, in my soul, what I want is what Jesus wants. So would you override my feelings? And would you actually transform both them and me? I've prayed that prayer so many times. It's amazing. And I believe, I believe that that's a transforming prayer. Principle number four. When you're the victim of cruelty, begin the hard work of forgiveness as soon as possible. Now, Jesus, the perfect son of God, forgave immediately. For you and, and me who are, you and I who are mere humans... It usually is a long, arduous process. But we can at least begin it. We can at least say, Lord, I release them from my vengeance. Lord, would you, would you please work in me <coughs> and heal this hurt inside of me? Would you please bring me to a place of complete releasing and forgiveness where no root of bitterness is going to grow up in me? And would you help me to even be kind 
to my enemies when I have the opportunity. Bud Welch lost his daughter back in the 1995 bombing of the Federal Building in Oklahoma City. Now, folks, I don't believe that you and I can really understand the anger and the outright hatred of some of the people who lost loved ones in that bombing, the hatred they had toward Timothy McVeigh. In fact, I, I understand that when McVeigh was executed, people literally stood in line begging, begging for an opportunity to watch him die. They hated him so much. But Bud Welch, while he loved his daughter more than his own life, he was a Christian. He knew the biblical teaching. He didn't want to seethe with anger. He didn't want to risk letting a root of bitterness grow up in his heart because he knew it was poisonous. And so three years after that unspeakable tragedy, in 1998, three years after the bombing, he drove from his home in Oklahoma City to the home of Bill McVeigh, Timothy McVeigh's father. He came seeking healing and also trying to bring it. They talked over the kitchen table in the McVeigh home. Bud Welch commented on one of the photos on the wall there in the kitchen. He said, what a good-looking boy. Bill McVeigh said, yeah, that's, that's Tim's high school graduation picture. And then tears began to stream down Bill McVeigh's face. So he said, I am so sorry. Your daughter was killed. Bud Welch later said, talking about that moment, I have never felt closer to God than at that moment. I felt a load lifted. I cared for this man. In our anger, we say, I'll never forgive. I get even. I'll make them pay. Really? You really want to play God? Really? I would urge you to take a different plan. I would urge you to believe God when he says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. God doesn't miss a thing. And see, here's the problem. If you think you're going to make them pay, if you think you're going to be the one to do it, you're going to get back, you're probably dealing with so much resentment that it's eating you up inside. Somebody said resentment is like a poison that does more damage to the container in which it is stored than the object on which it's poured. And that's the truth. Resentment is like a poison that does more damage to the container in which it's stored than the object on which it's poured. Where you really find freedom is to release that. Say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to be like Jesus. I'm going to be like Jesus. And I'm going I'm to forgive my enemies. One final principle. When you're the victim of cruelty, trust in God's care, even though he may seem distant. Yeah, Jesus did pray, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But you know what he prayed shortly after that? My God, why have you 
forsaken me. And see, here's what I've noticed about people who have been deeply hurt. Often it feels like God is very distant. And we, we naturally wonder, God, where are you in this? But while Jesus felt distanced from the Father, the Father was working the amazing, miraculous atonement whereby he was making a way through Christ's sacrifice for all of our sins to be forgiven. And while you may feel distance from God today in your pain, I want you to know that I believe God may be closer than you realize. That's what Joseph in the Old Testament discovered, by the way. Remember his story? His brothers sold him into slavery. Potiphar's wife accused him of rape. He wasn't guilty. Thrown in prison for two years. Betrayed, forgotten by fellow inmates in prison. Joseph could have said on the evening before his release, remember, he didn't have any idea how that story was going to turn out. As far as he knew, he was going to rot in there forever. He could have said on the evening before his release, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But what he didn't realize was that in ways he did not understand, God was working through that whole deal. And the very next day, he was going to go from pit to pinnacle. The very next day, he was going to be introduced to Pharaoh and become the second in command in Egypt. And here's my final word to you. If we really want to learn from Jesus today, perhaps, perhaps we need to remember that even in the seasons where we're feeling the lowest, the most hurt, and the most distance from God, God may be closer than you ever realized. He's working in the shadows of that situation. He's working behind the curtain. And it may be soon that you get to peer behind the curtain and see that even when you were in pain, God was doing amazing things. And one day, you will sing again. One day, one day, You'll see some design, some reason for it all. One day, you'll understand. Forgiveness is a powerful thing. And if we're reminded of anything in this holy week into which we're entering, as we think about our Lord's sacrifice on the cross for us, we ought to be reminded of this. It's when humanity deals out their worst, God is at his best. Father, help us to forgive the people who've hurt us. Help us to understand what that means and what it doesn't mean. Oh God, I pray for that person right now that's just on the edge, still honestly wanting to take it in their own hands and get even. I pray, oh God, that this would be a moment of release and transformation where perhaps for the very first time they'd be willing to say, God, I trust you with this. I trust you not only to bring healing to me, but I trust you, Lord, to do your work in the lives of those who've hurt me as well because we all need your grace. And I pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen.